a century of driving forward, closing the warehouse labor gap, and inventories start to stabilize. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian Proof of Delivery provides advanced transportation systems to world-leading brands, helping to transform final mile delivery services, boost operational efficiencies, and drive business growth. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service. Visit aptian.com and discover what's next now. As usual, our DC Velocity Senior Editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, it's not too often that companies can claim to have been in business for a full century. That means they've gone through a lot of economic ups and downs throughout the decades. One trucking firm in the Northeast has not only survived, but has thrived for a full 100 years. To find out more, here's Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Uh, That's exactly right. Uh, We're talking about one of the more complex parts of supply chains, and that's the transportation side, trucking specifically. It's never been more true than today when the trucking sector for months has been working its way through the bottom of a freight recession. And of course, that's been exacerbated by the effects uh, a couple of years ago of the pandemic, inflation more recently, driver shortages and turnover, uh, chip shortages and making new trucks, diesel prices, all kinds of things. Uh, But in a sense, there's nothing really new here. Transportation has always been cyclical. But as you said, one company that has seen its share of many up cycles and down cycles is A. Dewey Pyle, the Pennsylvania less than truckload carrier that this year is celebrating its 100th anniversary as a company. And here to talk with us today is Pete Latta, who is the third generation chairman and CEO of the A. Dewey Pyle Trucking Company. Welcome, Pete. Well, thanks, Ben. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so to start off, uh, I described A. Dewey Pyle as an LTL provider, uh, but I know you guys provide a wider range of services than that. Could you give our listeners a quick update on what the company does? Sure. So our LTL business, our footprint is the uh, Northeast, and um, we serve all points in the Northeast Territory that extends from the Canadian main border south to the North Carolina-Virginia border, um, including West Virginia into Eastern Ohio and all points in between. Uh, that's our LTL world. We operate currently from uh, 29 service centers with plans to open an additional five this year. We've not grown through acquisition. We've grown organically, and we started a dedicated uh, services operation in 2013. Uh, we had no trucks. We had no uh, people. We had no customers. And uh, last year, we did $140 million in revenue in that business. And uh, uh, have uh, over 600 drivers. Um, our warehouse and distribution business is also based in that footprint I described. We have eight different warehouse campuses, uh, over 4 million square feet of own warehouse space, where we're really providing the distribution center services for our customers. Uh, we have a brokerage business, Asset Light, that we started a few years ago. We're in a strategic growth phase, obviously big headwind in the, in the brokerage market, but uh, as a privately owned business, we do things the right thing for the long term, and we think that's one of them. 
And then we have our legacy flatbed steel hauling business that uh, our first customer was Luke and Steel on April 1st, 1924, when the business started. And uh, although there are four or five owners different today, um, they remain a customer. Last year, we did uh, about $775 million in revenue consolidated with over uh, 4,100 people on our pile team. That is extraordinary, having a, a same company uh, business to business for 100 years there. So as you guys say, the company was founded in 1924. And you know that was during, as you say, the Roaring Twenties. Uh, so we've since survived, you know, little things like the Great Depression, uh, and also many other economic booms and subsequent downturns. Also, looking at that long history, can you think of a few moments that have most impacted the company? Sure, I'll point to three. Ben, um, in 1979, we were a Teamster union carrier, just like everyone else in the industry. Deregulation was coming around the corner in 1980. And my dad had the foresight to try to break from the National Master Freight Agreement that was Jimmy Hoffa's senior's uh, mark he put in the Teamsters world in 1964. Um, And he he sought to break from that by offering a different termination date and five cents an hour, which was really not much at all a difference. And uh, that was a precedent issue because at that time, all the carriers signed on to the National Master Freight Agreement and we endured a 14-week strike, uh, and uh, that strike culminated with about we had less than 100 employees total in the company. We had one LTL terminal, uh, service center, and, and two warehouses, and uh, that culminated in about 25 of the people on strike resigning from the, the union, crossing the picket line, petitioning for a decertification uh, election, and voting the Teamsters out as a collective bargaining agent, and that. That was a, a just a real watershed uh, mark for us because then we entered, and that was not the design from the beginning, but we entered deregulation as a union free carrier with, uh, you know, more flexibility to adapt to a what was probably proved to be the most disruptive event in the uh, in the motor carrier industry in the last 40, 45 years. Um, but dere- and and you know when I say disruptive of the top sixty motor carriers in business by revenue in 1980, uh, only three survive today in their own skin. And we have a list of 150 motor carriers in the Northeast, uh, some part of the Northeast doing business in, in 1980, and uh, only three of those survive today. So quite a disruptive event. And, and it was a process, uh, not in a, a pure event, but uh, it happened over time and it had a dramatic impact. Uh, I, w- I would point to another ransomware. We were attacked by ransomware in 2019, as happened to Estes recently. We lost our phones, we lost our email, we lost all our operating systems. We didn't pay the ransom, but uh, that was a, a, a time I won't forget. And, and then of course, who can forget the pandemic uh, in, in 2020? Uh, we saw our LTL shipment count in the first 10 weeks of the year, up about 5% year over year. And in the span of just four weeks, that dropped over 40%. And uh, nobody knew where a bottom was going to occur, but uh, the, the pile team brought us through that successfully. Yeah, real steps there. Uh, and, and as I mentioned before uh, as well, we're, we're, we're all living through a tough time right now to run a trucking fleet. 
uh, and, and as well with the brokerage uh, that you'd mentioned before with the headwinds. Uh, how much of a challenge are you seeing business-wise, and what is it about uh, Pile that is allowing the company to survive this latest cycle? You, you mentioned a whole lot of other companies that aren't with us anymore. Yeah, well, you know, I think from deregulation, the two sectors that emerged from the common carrier and contract authority carrier that, that existed prior to 1980 was the truckload sector and the LTL sector. And, you know, in the, in the truckload sector, it's, it's very fragmented, even though we think of the huge, some of the huge truckload carriers, it's still very, very fragmented. So, and there aren't barriers to entry. Um, and so they, they go through some wild cycles, the old economics 101 supply and demand curve, um, you know, when the demand for truckload service exceeds the supply, rates are gone north. When the supply of the carriers, as has been the last year and a half, exceeds the demand for truckload services, rates plummet, and they, they have plummeted in that business. The LTL sector is a little different. There's, there's significant barriers to entry. Um, unlike the fragmentation in the truckload, the top 25 LTL carriers control over 95% of the market share, total market share LTL. And, and real estate is a huge barrier to entry. So the first half of 23, our year-over-year shipments were down. Obviously, a, a watershed event. Finally, yellow went out of business. Feel terrible for all the people that work there. But, um, you know, they had struggled for a long time. And that redistributed about 10% uh, of the market share out across the LTL sector. So, you know, we've been running 8 10% year-over-year uh, on shipment counts since then. So, um, you know, I, I just came back from a, a board of directors meeting for privately owned truckload carrier I sit on, and, and I was coming back last night, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm in the LTL business and not the truckload. But we're feeling it in the brokerage. But I, I would say what, you know, I attribute our durability to and sustainability is the linkage between our core values, the great culture it creates, the trust that it earns of, of the pile people, and then the discretionary effort that comes forward out of that. And, and you know, I think about trust, it's a, it's a huge dynamic, and uh, it, the, the discretionary effort that comes forward, hey, I'm, you're, you're just like me, people are trusting you to do a good job, you don't wanna let them down, what do you do? You work harder, you try, you try harder. And uh, that discretionary effort at the end of the day, people think about transportation, trucking, they say it's all about trucks, it's all about technology, it's all about facilities. They're tools of the trade. As Steve O'Kane, our retired uh, president, um, said, you know, this is, it has been a people business. It is a people business. It will always be a people business. And if we believe, and our secret sauce has been, if our composite discretionary effort of our, of, of our team, our pile of people, is better than the competition because we're working harder, we're trying harder to serve the customer, satisfy we're going to win. And, that, and that's really been our secret sauce is the engagement and discretionary effort of our, our pile team. I got it. And that sounds like some some great advice that can be shared, uh, you know, the, throughout the industry there as well. Uh, so j just to wrap it up, we don't, we don't just have a minute here together. The transportation sector, as we've mentioned, has seen an enormous amount of change uh, in the past decade, just in the last year. But how about the future? Uh, you, you mentioned some some real growth there, opening new facilities and uh, adding a dedicated line, for example. How, how do you foresee a Dewey Pile itself changing in the next 10 years or even 100? Because that's the scan we're talking well, about. Well, 
when people when people ask me about the future, I'm always reminded of Yogi Berry's quote, it's difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. Um, so I'm not a good prognosticator, but I'll talk about two things that I, I know are clearly in our future, and that is to continue to honor our pile people, our 4,000 plus and growing team, and sustain the trust and remain a family-owned business where we can take a long view and make lifetime decisions, not fiscal quarterly decisions, and uh, continue to, to you know believe that if you take care of the people, the people take care of the business. Great finishing words. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate your spending some time with us today. Great. Thank you very much. Our guest today has been Pete Latta. He's the chairman and CEO of the 100-year-old A. Dewey Pyle Trucking Company. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Peter and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. In Victoria, finding workers for our nation's warehouses has never been easy, especially the past couple of years. But you're working on a story that provides some automation help to ease that labor crunch. What can you tell us? Well, we write frequently about the labor challenges many logistics companies are experiencing, and I often hear that this issue is most acute in the warehouse. Warehouses and distribution centers are labor-intensive operations requiring lots of hands for pick, pack, and ship operations in particular. Um, many organizations are tackling this issue with automation, which can take many forms, but for our March issue, I decided to find out how automated forklifts can help. So the story talks about the different kinds of automated forklifts available and how companies are putting them to use to make their operations more efficient and free up the labor they have on hand for more value-added tasks. Things like picking and packing all of those e-commerce orders. So what are some of the newest advancements with this type of automated equipment? Well, there are many, as you can probably imagine, and uh, one expert I spoke with for the story was Martine Buenafranco of the Raymond Corporation, who's been a guest on our podcast in the past, and he emphasized improved telematics, and, and that's what allows managers to collect and analyze data from fleets of vehicles, um, as well as the application of uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Uh, all of those, he said, are important advances. The addition of AI and machine learning algorithms allows the equipment to learn from experience so it gets smarter as it goes. Um, he and other experts I spoke to also pointed to improved sensor and light, detect light detection technologies, um, and that gives today's equipment much better mapping and navigation capabilities. So the equipment operates more efficiently and safely throughout a facility. Um, it's easier for the forklifts to avoid obstacles and adapt to changing conditions on the floor, as an example. And again, this is all important from a labor perspective because it can help companies reallocate the workers they do have to tasks that maybe can't necessarily be automated. One last note that I think helps put this uh, issue into perspective, a recent uh, survey from industry technology company Descartes found that more than three quarters of supply chain and logistics leaders are experiencing notable workforce shortages in their operations. And about 40% of those said they'd characterize that situation as extreme. And more than half said that the warehouse is one of the areas most affected by those labor shortages, second only to transportation. So it's a pretty big issue and companies are really looking for a range of different automated solutions to help. And uh, the forklift is, is one of them. Yeah, and I think we'll continue to see more automated forklifts being deployed in the industry as that technology advances. And again, labor is gonna continue to be difficult to find. Absolutely. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome.
And Ben, you wrote this week about how companies have experienced a bit of a wild ride in their inventory levels, but things seem to be returning back to normal. Can you share why? That's right. I was also uh, looking at, at some of those aspects of, of uh, operations in the warehouse, as Victoria was. Um, I was looking at the inventory, however, not the label, labor, excuse me. Uh, the COVID pandemic had caused all sorts of headaches for inventory uh, for anyone trying to run logistics operations in the last couple of years. One of the biggest challenges was just the fluctuations of inventory levels in warehouses that we all saw. We saw huge demand for certain goods, then shortages, then overcompensation, and then port congestion. Uh, the back and forth was uh, basically a mess. But a report we saw this week said that U.S. retailers may have finally gotten their inventory levels to settle down again, what some people call right-sized. This was an analysis from Bank of America. And the way that they describe it, the headache started when the initial pandemic lockdowns of 2020 combined soon after with fiscal stimulus, and that turbo-boosted the demand for consumer goods up to a level that retailers were hard-pressed to meet. By the first quarter of 2021, in fact, the inventory-to-sales ratio for U.S. retailers had dropped down to 1.1, compared with uh, two years earlier, it was almost 1.5, the report said. So retailers made big orders with manufacturers to catch up and restock, but that kind of gummed up the global supply chain, leading to long shipping delays and higher freight costs. Gradually, those supply chain issues eased and inventories did start to climb again during 2022. But as we moved into 2023, retailers had a new problem on their hands and then they were carrying too much stock. And that was unfortunately just as consumers started to pivot away from goods and towards services like travel and restaurants and things. Right. And that certainly has been a real challenge. Did the report say if there is a solution in sight? Uh, right. The inventory swings have caused real, real business pain, not only for consumers, but for retailers and warehouse operators and also uh, the trucking fleets that move all those goods. But as Bank of America said, uh, fortunately, over the past year of 2023, it appears that outside of motor vehicles, most retailers uh, made solid progress in right-sizing their inventory positions. And there was relatively little change in that inventory sales ratio between November 2022 and a year later, November 2023. Researchers actually confirmed that conclusion uh, by measuring retail inventory in another way. They used corporate payments to shipping and transportation companies as a proxy for inventory orders, because whatever you order, you have to move it. By that yardstick, uh, there was a dramatic increase starting in late 2021, and that persisted through 2022 with the restocking. But it moderated in 2023 with a fairly consistent pattern of payments throughout the year. And according to Bank of America researchers, that pattern suggests that retailers' flat ordering behavior means that they're now what they called content with their stock levels, at least until the next disruption. Right. And hopefully that disruption will not come for a while. I think it'll be nice to experience a bit of normalcy for a change. We would all enjoy that. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Glad to. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Also, check out the podcast notes section for some direct links to read more about the topics that we discussed today. And we'd like to thank Pete Latta of A. Dewey Pyle for being our guest. 
We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at agilebme.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. Speaking of subscribing, check out our sister podcast series, A Supply Chain in the Fastlane, co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Exchange. Our new series just drops this next Tuesday, and it's on supply chain jobs of the future. So check out Supply Chain in the Fastlane wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Forged from decades of industry experience, Aptian Proof of Delivery supports global delivery fulfillment operations with the tools they need to increase efficiencies, gain real-time visibility, automate communications, and enhance the delivery experience for customers. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, reduce costs, and drive growth. Aptian Proof of Delivery can help. Visit aptian.com and discover how now. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. Be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week.